namo tassa bhavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddham dhammam sangham namasami whatever However you meditate, <coughs> this incredibly loaded term to meditate, not even a Buddhist term, <laughs> we bandy around. Buddha talked about cultivating your mind, <coughs> cultivating your awareness. Mm. So, and... Uh, that often when we cultivate our awareness in uh, sitting still, breathing in and out, being with our feelings, emotions, bodily sense, the idea is to really cultivate so that there's not a big break between doing that and doing what you're doing the rest of the time. The rest of the time you're also with your thoughts, feelings and uh, Sensations in the body, emotions, things coming and going. You know, where the experience differs is that when you're sitting still, then closing your eyes, really the only input you're going to be getting is from your body, your own body, and your own mind. So, where the meditation differs is actually is possible to bring all that to rest, to stillness, whereas you can't really expect the world to stop. Sights and sounds and things like that are not going to stop. But when you're sitting still, what you're experiencing is your own nerve endings jingling away with whatever currents and charges are going on. All the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the attitudes and so forth. It's all your nerve. It's all your nerve endings, your chitta, your your mind. And it's not your thinking mind, but it's your whole embodied nervous system. Can be affected just by things like ill health, tiredness. You feel tired. You may feel a bit low. You may feel a bit depressed just because your energy is low. When you feel sick, you tend to feel a bit gloomy. You know, sunny day, you cheer up a bit. <clears throat> so it can be just affecting things like that, you know. And you see, but um, whether it's in, whether it's coming from an external trigger, it's really you're witnessing your own um, perceptions, your own impressions, and the feelings that are aroused around it. And these two factors: impressions, perceptions, meanings, and basic feeling of pleasure or pain. Um, are the fundamental things that move you, move us. You know? Perception, meanings, values, interpretations. We're, we've got a lot of them going. This is right, that's not right, this is good, that's bad. Happy, sad, fair, just, so forth. These are all perceptions. And they really, some of them are really big, got a lot of charge in them. You know? So today, the other day, it's about things like in in uh, 
customs and manners. How in um, you know in Thailand, if you touch somebody on the head, that's considered extremely insulting thing to do. You know, can actually love would actually call you know could even cause physical violence touching somebody on the head. You know, the head, you know, lump of bone with some skin dragged over it, on one level. Or it could be the seat of wisdom, you know, your most intimate part of your body. You know, it should not just be brushed up against casually. Hmm. What does it mean? You stick your tongue out at somebody, you know. If somebody sticks their tongue out at you. Real insult, isn't it? A piece of flesh comes out of an orifice. And yet we can feel extremely incensed about that. There's a lot of meaning in these things. That's perception. It's not a small matter. And so, uh, but really, you know, it's not happening in your eyes. It's not happening, not the physical action. It's the perception and the meaning. When you sit and meditate, you really get into these places where you know, what comes up very often are the impressions and the meanings of the day, the life, other people, you know, the ones that haven't just kind of just floated in and out, the ones that stick over what somebody said or did or didn't do or didn't say. Sometimes years and years ago, ten years ago, you still be hashing over still comes up. Where? Why? Why? Ten years ago, what, what's this? Th- isn't it past? Nope. Perceptions stay established in the way the mind works. Just like we still remember our language every day. We still, you know, remember <coughs> our name every day. We remember all kinds of things because it it's kind of gets patterned into the mind's uh, perceptual system. Uh, and this is actually a way of really understanding um, what just both the power of it and also what particular things move you. And uh, the Buddha is saying, you know, really it's only in the cessation, the understanding of perceptions, that you can find any peace. You're never going to find a perception that is really steady and solid and, and doesn't change any kind of impression that, that's never going to be um, affected. So remember the old story I sometimes tell of um, when Ajahn Chah was in England. You know, Ajahn Chah was pretty, pretty very advanced uh, practitioner and uh, you know he said, well, I go to England, they can pat me on the head if they like. The Thai monk, you know, people just shrank in horror. The idea of patting Ajahn Chah on the head. <laughs> this is because he's an extremely revered figure. And, uh, you know, you can actually just see it as just that. As that, you know. Nobody's meaning anything in harmful or insulting, just touching his head. He could actually get past it. And uh, one day we were in the Hampstead Vihara, and then, uh, which was a place in London, 
obviously English people don't know all these Thai, Asian ways of being polite and respectful. And uh, there's a Burmese businessman who came to see Ajahn Chah and he said, oh, you know, we, we're, very, we're very devout. We really love the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. It means so much to us. When we see people pointing their feet at the Buddha, we want to kill them. Imagine Charles said, oh, a bit of clinging there. <laughs> that was all he said. Oh, for down mark. A bit of clinging. Because <laughs> you shouldn't, you know, that, that, in, that in Burma would be extremely rude, terrible thing to do. We don't kill people for it. You could see how, I mean, I don't think he would have killed anybody, but how, you know, tremendously heated up one can get over a perception. And we're all like this, I'm sure. It's easy to look at other people's stuff and say, what's she getting the tears about? Until you find your own buttons get pushed, and it feels very real and, you know, I know. I've got a few myself. This is the mind. This is the perception, this is the activities of the mind, this is perceptions and feelings. And they, they can run your life soak up, pull out all your energy. It's important to be able to kind of get perspective on these. See it as it is. Because there's this possibility. You have mental behaviour, which is perceptions and feelings. You have mental nature, which is awareness. And awareness, you can witness your perceptions and feelings. Witness is perhaps too simple a word. You can be with them. You can notice they come and change. You can feel them flood and rush and tingle and rise up. Morph, dissolve, sometimes happy ones, pleasant ones, wistful ones, nostalgic ones, ghastly ones. You can know it, it's that. It's not an intellectual action at all, it's a real, yeah. And the, uh, some of the difficult bit of the practice is that really, in order to release some of these very intense things, you actually have to be with them. To be with those uh, ingrained perceptions and feelings. So that you can actually see all that is... It's a kind of strange because if you're with it and you just get involved with it, then it gets very intense. If you're not with it, you think, I've got no problems, I'm fine. Clean as a whistle, a free man. Then somebody touches a button, boom. (laughs) So to be with it and not in it, that is just to be with that, not in it, and not having an attitude about it. Maybe not even understanding it, but being with it and not in it. This is cultivation. Hmm. I mean, this is definitely not a small matter. Doesn't mean you have to fe- don't have to feel things. 
doesn't mean you don't have to have perceptions and impressions and mean that would be simple, silly, wouldn't it? You've got to be able to kind of interpret things and have values, but to be able to be with it, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, to what's called time and place. Time and place, this is suitable, it's not suitable. You know, you see how loaded these things can be. You know, you get to like, okay, Muslim now, got a big charge to it. Used to be maybe, you know, the attitudes people had about Negroes, black people, coloured people. And Jews. Is that, you know, it's terrible, isn't it? The ones we've seen past and feel so uh, shameful that one could ever have really followed any of that stuff. And yet we catch the next one. Muslim, Iraqi, whatever it is. You know, same old thing. Same old thing. So really, but it's it's humbling. And meditation, just look at cultivation. The Buddha said, you know, when he was still trying to work towards enlightenment, this must have been right at the um, right at the time of his enlightenment because he talks about jhanas which he didn't realize until he according to the suttas, until he actually um, realized awakening, so this must have been a very crucial experience he said, I still wasn't enlightened at this time but I began to consider how should, what kind of general attitude should I bear in mind? This is real, almost like going back to basics. This person been practicing for goodness six years or so in very intense states and still wasn't getting anywhere. And he just started to, wait a minute. And it was like, this lovely thing of the, the Buddha, it's very hum, humble. He's saying that his awakening experience occurred with a sudden memory of what it's like to just be a little child. Kind of quality of a, you know, don't know a lot really. Just sitting there peacefully. And that kind of very simple attitude to say, well, when my mind is um, has ill will in it or violence in it, any kind of violent tendency, this isn't for my welfare or anybody's welfare. It doesn't lead to nibbana. When my mind is harsh, rough, dismissive, cruel, it doesn't lead to nibbana. It doesn't lead to my. Doesn't make me feel better. Doesn't make anybody else feel better. When my mind is bent on greed, acquisition, sensuality, it doesn't lead to my welfare or anybody else's welfare. It doesn't lead to nibbana. Why don't I just start to to develop instead? The opposite. It's non-violence, harmlessness. Sometimes, you know, evamp that up to be loving kindness, non-cruelty or compassion, 
and renunciation, just to be able to, to let go, to let things pass, to not hold on, to not look to acquire. So just so then establishing those bases. You know, a lot of the problems can occur in meditation when we haven't actually established the right frame of reference to, to refer to ourselves. You know, when you sit and meditate, do you actually refer to yourself, just however simply, basically sitting here with, a, with an attitude of goodwill? Do you know what that, you know? And sometimes you think, okay, have a good day, be nice, hope you're happy. No, 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 that's, that's not an act, that's not an act, that's a thought. Yeah. That's just thinking, it's just saying it. So, for myself sometimes I have to kind of think, what would it, you know, to really work on this, to get a feeling of it. So, sometimes I do what I call armchair meditation. You know, I'm not necessarily sitting in an armchair, I'm sitting here, just imagine what it would be like, just have something holding the body, you know, feeling the neck, letting the neck rest, just having something supportive, pleasant, something that's just given. You don't have to keep working for it. You don't have to be that good. Armchairs don't care. Just the kind of really non-judgmental, non-deserving, free act of I'm on your side. You know, could be sitting in a bathtub, could be sitting in the sunshine, could be meeting your best friend, could be your dog. And just, well, nice to see you, good, I want, want to give you something, you know. You don't have to deserve it. It's just a really free gift towards yourself. Sitting here with that attitude in mind. Do you know how to do that? Hmm. Sometimes when we meditate, this dreadful term again, it's all just this kind of focus, concentrate, focus on this point, get to this point, hold it, get it still, steady, you know. And it, there's no feeling in it, there's no, there's no resonance, there's no warm-heartedness in it. It's just a goal orientation. Get there, driven, you know. And very bleak. I was like this the first few years of my practice, most of my practice <laughs> but it's getting better not because I'm particularly malevolent it's just I just don't know how to do it you know how to, how to, how to feel kind towards myself just don't know how it works don't know how it happens um, I feel okay I guess yeah I'm fine it's not, not something that I've exercised so I was a bit of it confused by it. I always feel embarrassed by other people's, sometimes by other people's warmth. Feeling like, well, couldn't quite know what they're being warm about and why and what I should do in return to, to prove I was worth it and feel a bit flummoxed by it all. You know, feeling has been a difficult thing just to learn how to, how to have it happen, you know. Not because, and I'm, maybe this is maybe this is the same for you. I don't know, but you know, not because one is particularly malevolent. It's just the particular bit hasn't got 
exercise, so it's kind of gone redundant, you know. I said this is this is actually something they've proven that various emotional states have these neural activity, neurons. You know, there are these nerve cells, neurons, and so if you keep sending energy down them, they they kind of keep alive, like exercising a muscle. But if you don't, they eventually just kind of atrophy. So if you haven't got the that quality of kindness towards yourself happening as a kind of basic thing, that bit of your nervous system just starts to dry up. <laughs> so you get very limp. I'd, I'd find, always find metta, loving kindness meditation, really difficult. I don't think I'm any, any more unpleasant person. You know, I try to, but, but I come from what I thought was good and proper and right and helpful. And yet the real test of it in meditation was, can I feel warm towards myself? And it just wouldn't happen. Um, just think something nice. and or, or some kind of, you know, pink exaggeration. You're trying to sit there saturated with oozing emotions. And I couldn't get one going. I just feel more irritated by that lack. So, trying to get the sense of just, you know, what would it be like? You know, because we've all had that, haven't we? Sometime or another, your dog looked at you, has big brown eyes. That's great. Yeah. Somebody did you a favour. You sat back and felt really, you know, Warmed, picked up, lifted, blessed, received. Oh, that's really nice. We know that. We like that a lot. It's not an ideology. We need it. As a personality, I like to think I don't need things. But actually, on just almost a physiological level, you know, human beings, human systems, this isn't a personal matter, human systems need to have that. Otherwise, they don't operate very well. They get stressed and tense and neurotic and defensive. Yeah. And I find this a lot with people. They're not bad people, they just haven't got enough, been fed enough of the good stuff. So you're always trying to prove you're something so that you'll get the approval that you need. You can't be with yourself as you are. You're always going to be better than you are. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. So there's this kind of haunted feeling, you know. And just that simple, simple sense of being able, whatever you are, you know. Right now, I just want to say, well, good luck with it. And getting this attitude in place. And sometimes we think, well, yeah, you know, it sounds nice, I suppose. But I want to, you know, I want to get on and meditate and, you know, all this kind of feely stuff. This is, this is you know, the Buddha did teach this. <laughs> and uh, why do we push it away? Uh, it's kind of awkward to realize you can't, doesn't happen, you can't do it. Uh, but often that's really just about all I can do. Sometimes that's just about all I can do, personally.
you know, I'm knackered. I've had a hard day. My mind's not going to be jumping through any hoops. I'm not going to be climb, doing any fancy stuff. I've just got to sit here and think, it's fine with me, you know, that's okay. It's fine with me, you know. I just feel some sense of not putting pressure on, but actually some quality of nourishing, nurturing, helping, you know, just towards this being. And it, it's, you know, just without even asking that you sort of feel great at the end of it. As it happens, if I do that, that's not, you know, sort of blissed out, but I get up and I think, oh yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay. Yeah, life is doable, it's okay. If I don't do that, then what happens is the problems, the worries, the anxieties, the, the stuff just keeps grinding away. So it's just a very simple thing. You know? If you don't get this going, then what tends to happen is that the absence of that balance means that when you meditate, you're still grinding away. And you start to grind, take your grind into meditation. It's another thing that you've got to get going, you've got to have happen and do and get good at. And by tomorrow, and you've been doing this so many years by now, you should have got better at it by now. And after all, you're probably a failure to get every some dark karma in your past life. You've already worked it, and you've got to, and so forth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's all hopeless anyway. So, and then that becomes, that can get established, can't it? So really important to just, just start, at, start at square one. And you find that the whole sense of what we're doing is a process. But if you skip the first bit, you know, you never really get into something that's enjoyable and sustaining and, you know, is with you as you are rather than trying to make you be something that's in the book, which is often a, um, a real problem for meditators. In the book, you can get in line in two pages. And it is. Boop, 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 boop. Books don't have any karma in them. <laughs> They're not carrying anything. They're just neutral. Second quality is this sense of, um, of uh, non-cruelty, uh, compassion. And compassion, in this sense, is, is a, a, like that which is able to feel and be with. It's very similar, but instead of, but of it's more to closely resonating with what you're, what's happening. Yeah. So we're resonating with the feeling tone. It's being with, the feeling with rather than feeling in, feeling for. So you know what you know how it is, how the mind you know you can have quite complex issues, quite complex stuff going on, yeah, and you really want to kind of just be with that till you come through to to really get down to the to one emotional thread that's supporting it could be upset, could be sad, could be excited, you know, it could be pleasant or unpleasant, 
So you know, we can have minds can have these huge storylines, um, novels in there, life histories in there that start playing. Yeah, and you, you're trying to sort it out. You think, no, no, that's not true. Well, after all, he's not a bad bloke, and after all, she and then no, you know. But then they did this and did it. No, and they, just a minute. That's not going. You know, you're going to spend all day doing that and all night probably. Emotion does not obey the intellect at all. Yeah. So you know, you've got to feel the charge of what's happening in your heart and mind. And it feels like sad. Feels like agitated. Feels like whatever it feels like. Okay, you got to go now. You got down to one thing. Can you be with that? What would it take to be with that? I don't want to be with these uncomfortable. No, no, you know, I know you don't want to. But this is practice. You know, just to be with that. Because so often, what we often find is when we are, you know, agitated, what you want to do is go and talk to somebody about it. Helps, doesn't it? Sort of. Well, it's like doing that, but very simply, rather than talking to somebody else and being listened to. You listen to yourself. A very fundamental place of all this story means, you know, this. It comes down to this particular thing. Okay. Now, don't try and fix it, change it, blame yourself, blame anybody else. Just to sympathize with it, resonate with it, know what it feels like. Of course, not all our life isn't all drama. Sometimes it's quite small things, simple things. And yet, this is really what mindfulness is about. Being able to, mindfulness of the mind anyway, being able to place this attention onto the mind state, the emotional quality of the mind state, sampajanya, full awareness. If you feel it as it is, it's mindfulness and full awareness. Mindfulness, bear it in mind. Sampajanya, full awareness, fully feel, resonate with that. Now that's a, that's so. There's really no difference between that and compassion. This is kind of compassion, not as an ideal, but as a moment by moment, intimate relationship with your own feelings and moods. Not trying to dismiss them, make them small, make them go away. Doesn't have any attitude. What else can you do? Really? This is how the mind stops chasing its shadows, stops spinning out. And because of that, it comes to stillness, not because it's forced to or held down or pinned down, but because it's actually kind of completed itself. It's spoken and heard and resonated. It's like you said something, you heard it, 
your greed. Like that. Yeah. So that's the end of that. Well, this is similar to that, but you're not really, agree- you're kind of, oh, right, with that, mm. it's like that. You just keep bearing that in mind. The mind will tend to spin out, spin out. You know. This is this process is definitely that which leads to concentration. You know. So the Buddha said, when he did this, he did it first of all by deliberately applying his mind, pointing, questioning that. What's that? Kudvitaka. Pointing attention, focusing, bringing up a topic, vichara, handling it. And he says, he did that, the mind started to settle. And eventually he could do it without, without that process. It just started to settle and go quiet. Uh, so this samadhi, which is we call concentration, isn't something that you do by holding the mind still, in exact, you know, on a focus point, but by these qualities that bring the mind to stillness. And they're not purely, they're not neither purely for meditation, they just help you to keep a balance with what's going on in your, in your own domain. What you, yeah? And our practice. Our commitment as practitioners is, I want to know, you know, what's happening for me in everything, in all of it. Whatever you are or aren't or this or that, I want to know what's happening for me right now. And uh, the spin out of the mind, when it's really powerful, is we forget Somehow we forget what's happening for me. You know, when we lose it. It's just the thing out there. It's just you, what you said. It's just this, you know, and suddenly it's all, it's all out there. And the mind is put, called projection. All of our this karmic stuff of, you know, the button is pushed and it gets thrown onto somebody else is the problem. Of course, people can trigger these things off in us. People's behaviours can trigger things off in us. Sticking your tongue out. Someone you knows at somebody. It's going to trigger something off. Actually, if you're really clear about it, you see, well, he's doing something strange, that's his problem. You don't have to pick it up. There's renunciation. Yeah. You know, the real, there's an understanding, the real benefits of our life come through letting go of these um, behaviours. Not through dismissing them, but something becomes possible the more that you get right close to them, hold them carefully, 
And it's not a dismissal. It's a sense that actually with that, the things can't hold on. Because what's coming up, you know, as, as you practice is the experience of the mind's nature of awareness comes up rather like uh, the stars coming out when the sun goes down. It's always there if you don't see it. Do the stars suddenly pop up in the sky? They're always there. It's only when the behavior quietens that you begin to acknowledge this uh, awareness. Oh, wow. Different world, isn't it? And then suddenly all the things that were there aren't there. You when the sun goes down, you don't have to kind of wipe everything out. It just disappears by itself. Mm-hmm. And you like, you kind of, you trust, you can trust that. Because that quality of letting go hasn't come through shutting something down. You've, you've felt very fully where you are and you felt it in your body and you felt it in your heart you haven't lost that but by itself those have slipped out of the sangsara the run around the merry-go-round by itself because the merry-go-round is just that if it was real and substantial and solid we could all agree upon it couldn't we You know, and yet, of course, we all see things differently—different impressions, different feelings, different moods. Wonder why that is. I mean, if it, if it was real, we'd all have the same one, wouldn't we? <laughs> wouldn't we? <laughs> Tragedy. Yeah. So it's only because the 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 spinning of the mind keeps it going. So the Buddha is saying, you know, once you've seen the endings, then the merry-go-round is just seen as that. You don't have to jump on board. That's making it very brief, of course. That's a gross underestimation of what it takes, of course. Most of the time, one takes a ride on the merry-go-round and skips off and then jump back on again and off and on. <laughs> yeah. That's the process. Yeah. And uh, just a bit to, to realize, you know, there's nothing really going wrong with things going wrong. Things going wrong are just things we haven't actually cleared yet and better own up, better get with it. Yeah, just resonate with that, feel for that, yeah, relax into that, and project it out, project it in, my fault, something wrong with me, no, nothing wrong with you, it's just this, just conditioning. That to me is very compassionate, because... Uh, a lot of the time I think there's something wrong with me. And a lot of the time I try to have nothing wrong with me. I really try to have nothing go nothing wrong with me. 
trying to be perfect, best I can. And, uh, yeah, you know, doesn't work. It's not this, you know, something's always going wrong. And then the interjections, oh, it's wrong with me, didn't do that right, you know. And uh, you know how oppressive that can get. Quite really helpful to abide with yourself, to be with yourself, to have compassion for this experience. So, there's rights in getting it right and getting it wrong, but they don't have to have that same, you know, intensely grinding in nagging feeling. It's just like, oh, that was right. Oh, that was wrong. And uh, this, of course, is where where, you know, gives us incentive to practice because until you see through that, that's always going to be coming up. The world would call the worldly dumbness, praise, blame. Always going to catch you. The world's never going to give you anything else, really. Praise, blame, happiness, unhappiness, renown and ignominy. Mm. That's all it can give you. That's the merry-go-round. There's no end to it. There's no peace in it. This is actually, this is what we have to, this is where we live. We live in this. Get to feel what it feels like. See if you can kind of get your awareness and mindfulness just to stay with that rather than the spin off, projecting, blaming, proliferating, hurting yourself, hurting others. Stay with the emotional charge of that. Let it be what it is. And you're fine. There is a kind of spaciousness and stilling and release from karma, which is the main theme of the practice. Anyone?